This is Diane Godfrey. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. If you need legal representation, please consult an attorney. I do not have a law degree. Over the years, many people have contacted me seeking legal advice. I am flattered they elevated me to having a JD, which is a law degree, but I am not qualified to dispense any legal advice. This is All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse, from the lady who wrote everything down. This is Jordan Rich reminding you to all rise. Diane, first question, why do you call it All Rise and why do we rise? Well, the reason I chose that name is those are the first words I heard every single morning when court was called to order. Mm-hmm. The first thing you'd hear would be the court officer. In some states, they call them the bailiffs, but in Massachusetts, they're referred to as court officer. They see the judge coming out of his or her chambers and they say, all rise. So I thought that was a fitting name. And you know, the judge is a human being. The judge isn't a law, but it's the judge represents the law. It's mm. symbolic. So we are rising in deference to the judicial process, not the judge. And a judge will be quick to tell you that. We are a nation of laws, and uh, that means so much. So what we're going to be doing in this opening podcast is exploring what it's like behind the scenes or in front of the scenes. You're there in in such an important role. Let's talk a little bit about working in a courtroom and how this all works for you. Okay. I worked in predominantly superior court, and there are different... There are all different types of courts. You know, there's bankruptcy court, juvenile court. I've pretty much done every single kind of court there is. But my mainstay was the Massachusetts Superior Court, which mostly dealt with life felonies, most serious Mm -hmm. crimes that, you know, there were a lot of murders, rapes, child rapes, armed robberies, Mm. violent offenses. One of the things that you're going to tell us probably more than once is that it's not exactly like it is on TV, on the courtroom dramas. (laughs) You know, it's funny. When I look at those, people will always say, well, do you watch this or do you watch that? I don't because... 99% of what they say and do would never be even admissible in a courtroom. Yes, it makes for a great story and it's fun as heck to watch, but it it absolutely doesn't even remotely resemble the courtroom. In your many years of experience, though, there are things that pop out that stand out that you'll be talking about on this podcast. Odd human reactions, things that go a little askew. Give us an example of some of those kinds of things. You know, to me, what I always think when I sit there is the courtroom proceeding is like an orchestra. And if you're missing one player, you can't go forward. If we're missing one juror and that juror overslept and now is stuck on the (laughs) the blue line, you know, it can be delayed for an hour. You need so many moving parts. Mm. And, you know, with human error and with, you know, public transportation and weather problems in the wintertime in Boston, there are more snags and a witness doesn't show up Sometimes we have to have the Boston police car go down to someone's house and we're all waiting and they drive to, you know, one of the inner city areas of Boston and retrieve somebody. Right, right. But things also happen, as you told me, in the courtroom that are dramatic and bizarre. For instance, when someone is about to testify and and is so nervous they pass out or worse. Oh, I've seen, yes. (laughs) Judges do not want to 
make any juror's day bad. I mean, I think jurors are, are nervous in the courtroom. Mm. And like, for instance, I've seen juries. One guy had a stomach ache and he w- didn't know what to do. He needed to get to the restroom. He just ended up throwing up like in the you know, middle of the proceeding. I've seen on the civil side of things, lawyers get so worked up. They've had heart attacks right on the floor. Oh my God. We have to stop the proceeding. I've even been in a medical malpractice case when the doctor being tried for medical malpractice went to the aid of the lawyer having a heart issue and we had to nix the whole trial. Boy, is that a strange turn of events, yes. <laughs> particularly. And, and also, I know you've been witness to so many things, uh, including outbursts when someone is either convicted or, or acquitted. Uh, families react. Violent offenders might react. Yes. Just think of the nature of the court, the reason anyone's there. No one wants to be there in the first place. And emotions are high because they've either lost a lot of money, mm. they're about to lose their kid in a divorce settlement, or someone in their family is either possibly going to jail forever or their kid has been like murdered. So it's a powder keg waiting to erupt. You mentioned court officers. They are vital to protecting the integrity of the court, but also protecting people like you. Yes. And I must say the court officers, and I can speak directly for Suffolk County, which is downtown Boston, which by the way, is a huge building. It has 21 working courtrooms. So it's a big place. It's a city within itself. And those court officers are not armed for a good reason. They do have a radio on their shoulder, but I must say they are the A-team. They're incredibly Mm. trained and they are at the ready and they are tremendous. I've never felt unsafe with them around. They're wonderful. That's great. Absolutely wonderful. Let's go inside the courtroom, and this will be something that you'll do regularly on this wonderful new podcast. The first question that people have is, can I attend a court proceeding? Is it open to the public generally? Absolutely. That's a big misconception from when I talk to people, because it's funny, whenever people find out what I do for a living, the first thing they'll say is, oh, I wanted to always do that. Or I I went to school for that and I quit. And I'm like, you dodged a bullet, honey. Only kidding. But I mean, (laughs) it's just like people will say it's exciting. You make a lot of money, la la la, which is true. But I mean, you make a good salary, but it's not any more of a salary than any other professional position. You do well, but it's you're never going to be a millionaire, you know. But another thing is they don't see behind the reality. If it sounds exciting, all work is work. Mm. It's not all roses. You you say that it's like improv for the attorneys, no matter how well prepared they are. Things things are not scripted. Things do happen, right? So talk a little bit about what you need to do as a court reporter as you're going along. I mean, you're literally on on call every second noting what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, if I even need to scratch my shoulder, I mean, the jury's all sitting behind me and they look at I mean, it's when you're on your I'm right underneath the judge's bench and the way that the rooms are, are built. A lot of times I can't even see the judge's face, depending on the courtroom. The bench is so high and then they have a bad habit. Judges, they're on this big, comfy chair with, with you know, rollers on the bottom. They'll roll back, nowhere near, like the, <laughs> the microphone, nowhere near where I can see them. And they're back going like this, and they're going like this. I'm like, oh, dear God, what are you? And then they'll, like, start to unwrap, like, a candy. And it's going, 
I mean, <laughs> it, it blocks out. I'm like, really? But you can't say anything. You just kind of roll with you it. You roll with it. And you have to be, as you say, very flexible and pliable to and resilient to follow the action. And there's so much going on. You get one bite at the apple. There's no reduce. And it like with me, like when you when I say improv, we'll have district attorneys and they're so sure that this witness is going to say this, this and this. That person will get on the witness box. Nope. Yep. Never saw him. I don't remember. It's like, oops. So, I mean, stuff happens. Mm -hmm. The unpredictable it's inevitable it's going to happen in a trial. Is there a, a marked difference between, say, courthouses in a major city like Boston and in the suburban areas? Absolutely. And I, this is just on my part mm -hmm. subjective. People mm -hmm. may have a differing opinion. But, you know, I even had like a um, way down in southeastern Mass, I was working in a courthouse for a while. And one of the clerks said to me, he had worked in Boston years earlier. And he said, you know, what they indict here, Suffolk County wouldn't even give it a look because I think they have so much volume and they just have to hone in on what's really a big crime. And out in this and in the suburbs, you get guilty, 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 guilty. In Boston, they're very forgiving. You can see a lot of people walk out of there. We call them NGs, not guilty. Mm -hmm. And the, the NGs, I mean, I've seen murderers skate out of there. I mean, it's like, whoa. It sounds like supply and demand, too. In, in a suburban court where there's likely to be less major crime, less violent crime, yes. they have more time to prepare and spend on cases. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And how, how crazed is the court backlog that we hear so much about, Diane? You know, it's better than it's ever been. And, you know, the courthouse that I walked into in like 1990 is I wouldn't even recognize you wouldn't even recognize it now in 2020. But they've made so many useful changes along the way. But when I got there, it was a mess. It was a complete mess. But now they have, you know, time standards on the civil side and they have certain amount of days to be compliant that they have to put things in. So it's actually not that bad. And people will be shocked. They'll be like, there was a murder two, two years ago and it's just being tried now. But people don't see there are many steps along the way before you get to trial and you need to follow every step before you can get to trial. And it takes time because if you put in DNA samples, you have to wait for the lab to come back. People have to, defendants will um, get interviewed by a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist has to write a report. I, things take right, time. Right. You know, you've, you've mentioned your length of tenure, which is very impressive. How has your attitude about the whole thing changed over the years? I mean, uh, you started out in the, what, 1990 or so, you said? Yes. A lot has gone on. The advance of communications, the internet, automation, uh, just the nature of culture. Uh, what's changed in big terms or for you over the years? Well, you know, when I went there, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. This is good. You know, and I was so overly enthusiastic. And, and now I just think that, I mean, it's a necessary part of our society. We need courts, but I look at it now with a more mature eye and I am devastated at the severity and the gravity of what happens in criminal court. I mean, I looked, I can't even tell you, I've lost count of how many young men I have seen 
hauled off to prison for the rest of their la- natural life with no parole. Hold off, yeah, the, the, it, it, it's incredible, and and you see it. Unfortunately, they're younger and more hardened even than they were 10, 20 years ago. You know, I look at them and I'm like, have they gone through puberty yet? I mean, you know, they have. They're eighteen, but I mean, I'm looking at them and they're they're babies, and mm. it, it's just like. It, it blows you. And, you know, they don't understand that when they do something on the street at two o'clock in the morning, they didn't just violate themselves and the victim. There are dozens of devastated people in the gallery watching the proceedings. Mm. The mother, the grandmother, the aunt, the guy. you can't believe mm. how, how encompassing. It must be emotionally a little draining uh, to, to work a case and then another case and then another case. No matter what the outcome, there's a lot of emotion in that courtroom. Well, you know, the trial court did something to court. I don't want to be negative here, but it's just a fact. The trial court, what they did to court reporters, in my eyes, they fired us all in the middle of 2018, and they replaced us with machines. But that's a podcast for another day. We're going to get, in fact, into the general day-to-day operation of a court reporter in a moment. But before we get there, and I appreciate that other point, that's something that people want to hear about. People are always talking about the poor condition of our schools, of our public buildings. What's it like? What's the, the setting like in most of the courtrooms you've worked in? Is it a little dingy, or are they up to speed, or what? Okay, I can tell you this. I don't know why, but every courthouse I've ever worked in has been a dump. There are beautiful courthouses. I was never lucky enough to really work in them. Um, I'll tell you, if you ever get out to Worcester, you go to Superior Court, the thing is palatial. It's gorgeous. And to me, it should be Hmm. because they should be there should be some feeling like majestic feel like they should be gorgeous. And, and they should be give you that feeling of honor and, you know, but, um, I now the Suffolk County Courthouse was built in the 30s and they do their best to keep it up. But I'll tell you something. I'm not sure on this. And I guess it could be looked up. At one point, a judge told me that there was only three percent of the mass budget for the judiciary. And now someone told me it shrunk to one and a half percent. And it shows because we have a lot of people doing the job of two people. I think that's tantamount across a lot of yeah it's not just the superior it's the way it is many institutions are running that way in this crazy time and we're all facing more stress than ever well one thing that they did this is a small thing but it, it it just i don't know who decided they got rid of water drinking water and there are bubblers. Now, that's a Boston thing. If anyone's yeah. out of Boston, look into this. It's a water. A bubbler. A bubbler. Especially, you know, the way we say it, dear God. Right, but, right. Um, they got rid of water a long time ago. They came around and they took everyone's Belmont Springs or whatever it was. They took it away. People don't see this because I think when you're a state worker like I was, you are a punching bag. Mm. I mean, everywhere you go under – under someone's breath, oh, state worker, you know, know, the whole bit. And it's like they don't see on Saturday when I'd go get four cases of water and go up to the back of the courthouse and and haul them up to my office so I'd have something to drink for the next month and a half, you know. And we used to have this court officer. He's still there. I love him to death. I'd be transcribing, and he'd come into my office, and he'd, like, take, like, three bottles of water. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, the jurors <laughs> need water. I'm like, you know something? I'm not cheap, but, you know, what that? Talk to the trial court. Why right. are you doing this to me? Dude? He's like, sorry, and he runs out with my flipping water. How can you get mad at him? You can't. But someone's on the witness stand, and they're going, ah, ah, 
And the judge is like, get them water. And it's like, where is that coming? I, I don't know. <laughs> and you know what? FYI, if you're ever there, don't drink out of the water bubble, unless you've hit all your inoculations. I don't think yeah. anyone... <laughs> out of the water bubble since like 1963. Well, I don't know. That's very fine and sage advice. We're talking, of course, with Diane about the role <laughs> of a court reporter and the behind the scenes in the courthouse. Before we wrap up, Diane, let's talk a little bit about the court reporter. What's the primary role? And uh, let's talk a little bit about where people can get trained and what they're doing with it right now. Okay, um, the primary role is to record the proceedings in a courtroom, keep a record of it. And when you are requested to, make a transcript and all it is is it, it reminds me of if you ever saw the script from a play you know it'll say who's speaking with a colon then it'll say what it is and then it'll say document handed to witness exhibit one was marked map that's all so you're actually writing down not only the dialogue that is happening but also the action what's what's occurring what's physically yeah. occurring what time it's happening mm-hmm. you know um direct examination by mr smith of james brown q what is your name a Michael Green, where do you live? And it just goes on. Which means you've got to be on your game every time out, right? Verbatim reporting. Mm-hmm. And it's never proper English, you know, the way people speak. So you just have to put it the exact way they spoke. It, it's, a, it's a very, very impressive skill set. Where can people get trained to do this these days? They do have some online classes and they're pretty decent. But uh, Massachusetts had a terrific program. It, there was one in Mass Bay and there was one in Springfield, Mass, and Johnson and Wales have one. For one reason or another, they all folded. So, you know, mm-hmm. you could also hook on to, you know, the um, you could call like the uh, Mass Court Reporter Association. They have people that They'll mm-hmm. take you under their wing. Finally, in this opening podcast, I really bow to people who have experience and love what they do and have a passion for it. Is that the case with court reporting? It's the kind of thing where the longer you do it, the more experience you are, the more valuable you are, the more in demand you are. Is that what you've noticed in your career? It's the only, it's the only profession that I know of. The older you get, the better you get, the more in regard you'll get more complex things because it takes years and years and years to learn the jargon and Mm. the whole bit. So, yeah. We look forward to hearing a lot of stories, and we will. Thank you for, uh, for being so gracious and sharing with us. My pleasure. Before we close the courtroom door on this podcast, we remind you that All Rise with Diane Godfrey is available on all podcast platforms. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast. You've been listening to All Rise with Diane Godfrey. True stories from inside the courthouse from the lady who wrote everything down. Case dismissed.